2: everybody to Wrestling Omakase. It is episode number two oh five. And this week I am joined by a returning guest. Hello Jerry. Hey, thanks for having me back. The magical riding girl of Voices of Wrestling has returned. There you go. <laughs> That's you gotta have a lot of nicknames just like Joe. So that'll be yes. like that'll be one and then you gotta come up with like four or five more. I don't have any nicknames, so I don't know. i'll come up with a few more <laughs> nicknames and eventually i'll start
0: listing them in my writing and start making rich get really irritated <laughs>
2: there you go <laughs> uh but yes of course we're back here on omakase for another episode here on the free feed uh, we'll be covering the new japan cup finals uh along with the all japan uh march 21st show from kyoto and the noah march 21st show from and hall so kind of a packed show this week Lots uh, of wrestling. Lots of wrestling. Almost none of it that good. Uh, <laughs> it was like one match. There was one match across these three shows that I really liked. So this, it, even beyond the uh, the obvious negative thing we're going to have to talk about shortly, um, th- this is going to be probably one of our more negative episodes. Because, yeah, there was yeah. not a lot of great wrestling. There was like, three shows.
0: yeah, I think I've watched like, between eight and nine hours of wrestling a day. And most of it's like, why, why? it's like, if I wasn't watching a podcast, I turn. I mean, being on a podcast, I would have turned this off. Yeah. Oh, a lot
2: of, <laughs> a lot of perfectly fine matches, you know, like a lot of, <laughs> a lot of this happened, a lot of three stars and two and three quarters. Yeah. Uh, but yes, what are you going to do? You know, there's some, they all can't be winners. I guess some weeks will be great. And some weeks won't be, uh, but other than, other than crappy wrestling or just average wrestling, how is your, uh, Ben Jerry. Anything special?
0: Well, yeah, um, just to get a little personal, today is my seven months on HRT. Ooh. Um, which I mark every month because it's kind of a big deal. <laughs> so you know, other than wrestling world, things are going good. I'm just really tired because my day had an early start mm-hmm. because wrestling.
2: Yeah. We, we had to watch so many I, shows in the last like twenty four hours. Yeah, I watched so many shows
0: and then I went out and just celebrate my you know went and had an outdoor lunch because outdoors is the way to eat right now so yeah did that for my seventh month hrt anniversary so it was a nice day but then you know eventually i sit down and I was like
2: oh gosh <laughs> it's a lot of wrestling yeah yes uh, i watched the noah show live last night which helped but then i also slept way too late today so i didn't get through everything as fast as i wanted to but what are you gonna do uh, and also, right. like, all the, you know, the craziness around the New Japan finish, I guess, was also kind of a delaying factor, which we'll get yes. to very shortly. But I figured we could talk about some happy stuff first. I went to a hockey game. That was crazy. Okay. That was crazy. That was my first hockey game in, like, three years. So even, like, pre pan even before the pandemic. But, uh, you know, as a fully vaccinated human, that was the kind <laughs> of thing I felt uh, comfortable doing, finally. And yep. they just had reopened MSG to, like... The capacity is like 2,000, so it's like, you know, in in an 18,000 seat building, it's like nothing. So you basically have your whole own row to yourself, you know, me and my friend. And, yeah, it was... uh... It was an interesting experience being in a mostly empty Madison Square Garden uh, while the New York Rangers scored nine goals. Which, uh, if you're not a hockey fan, uh, not just you but the listeners, nine goals is a lot of goals. <laughs> usually, yep. usually it's hockey. like three two is the average final score. Yeah, it's
0: because ho- hockey's kind of like soccer, which is one of my sports. Is you don't get a lot of points. Yeah, you're
2: just happy with the ones you get. So nine goals is a lot of goals. <laughs> they scored yeah, seven goals. A lot of goals. They scored seven goals just in the second period alone. Which is, uh, Good grief. Yeah, it was really quick. It was just like, because, you know, they have, when you score a goal in hockey, there's like a goal horn and a goal song. Everybody stands up. So it was just like playing musical chairs. Like, like, oh, sit down, oh, stand up, sit down, stand up. Because <laughs> every two seconds, you know, there would be another goal. And it was like getting really funny by the end of it. We, we, we were just like openly laughing at every Ranger goal. But, yeah, the uh, the Philadelphia Flyers did not did not remember how to play defense on that evening. There were a couple really funny goals where there's like four flyers standing all directly in front of the net. I guess having a tea party. I don't know what they were doing because they sure weren't defending. But uh, it was a very, very interesting game to be at for sure. Not so both for COVID reasons, you know, just the weirdness of a being at a you know two thousand person hockey game, and then also just because they scored nine goals. <laughs> so right. Very... But I'm glad you got to go to a hockey game though. Yeah. I mean, the last game I had gone to, because, so people don't know, my two teams are the LA Kings and New York Rangers. The Kings I put as my number one, and then the Rangers, like, kind of the home down team. And, you know, the King, the last game I had gone to was actually the Weekend of Strong Style Evolved, I think it was called. It was the the March 2018 uh, New Japan show in the Walter Pyramid that had, like, Young Bucks against Kenny and Ibushi. So I flew okay, out. Okay, yes. So I flew out to LA with for that. Um... And then after the show, you know, I, they, they're, they're, the, the Kings happened to be playing the same weekend, so I just stayed an extra day and went and saw the Kings. I don't even remember who they were playing, though, so <laughs> the game thought thought it made a big impression. But yeah, that was my first, that was my last hockey game before this, so it's been a while. The Rangers tickets are usually, like, really expensive, too, which is mm-hmm. another reason, I guess. for Like, if the tickets weren't so fucking expensive, I would for sure go to more games, because, you know, I watch hockey TV pretty regularly. But, uh... Right. But yeah, even during this pandemic, they I think they dropped the prices and still like eighty dollars for the four hundred levels. So it's like okay, <laughs> thanks for that big price cut, guys. But it's like just it was just cool to go to something, you know, after all this fucking time. But uh, yeah, that was what, that was pretty much my week, and I had to get tested for COVID to go to the game, which was uh, interesting, but. Uh, you know, just, it was, I mean, interesting that maybe not the right word, but I, I had never gotten a COVID test before this, even though, you know, I'm pretty much positive I had it last March. Because when I had COVID-19, it was like, you know, when all of New York City was like melting down with it, basically. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they, you know, I remember call I had like a telehealth appointment and I remember the doctor saying like, oh, you, you sound like you have it. You know, the symptoms all match because I, I had the loss of taste and smell. Like on top of all the flu symptoms and stuff but she's like we don't just if you're not like suffering like at the time they were basically saying like that's what she said like if you're not suffering like you know severe symptoms like if you're not having trouble breathing then they just want you to stay home because they just didn't have the capacity like didn't have testing centers taken you know set up yet they didn't want you to go to the hospital unless you really had to because the hospitals were overflowing so yeah right Um, I, i remember that time yeah so i never got the covid test at the time but so this was my first time getting a COVID test and they sure stick that uh thing up your nose pretty far. That's all it yep. they they make sure it gets right up there. <laughs> oh, you've had one too?
0: Yeah, I've had I got one back in the, like summer last year because I, I kinda did a lead by example thing just to show people hey it's not that bad. Yeah. And it's not that bad, it's just
2: odd. Yeah, it feels really weird, is what yeah. is the case. So but yeah, that was uh, that was my week. I got a COVID test on Sunday because I had to be seven, within seventy two hours, and then I got uh, went to a hockey game on Wednesday, which was you know all, happened to be St. Patrick's Day, so there were a lot of people out that day. Like that was mm-hmm. the most normal that Manhattan has looked probably since uh, this all started. Which you can say maybe it was a little too early for it to be that normal looking, but uh, it was interesting for sure. Right. Um, so the only thing I want to note before we get into the shows, and I'll actually upload I'll the Patreon first, probably. So I mentioned last week in the, in the show notes uh, that we had some, we've been having some audio issues lately. I'm sure it's obvious here on the free feed if you've been listening, Um, you know, like an audio sync issue. I think I solved it. I'm pretty sure, like, when we tested it before <laughs> before we recorded, the sync was fine. There was, like, a hardware issue, basically, with my new laptop, I think, was what was causing it when I... I turned off this one feature, and it seems like that fixed it. Um, the, the one thing I'm worried about, I guess, is if the sync will, like, you know, come off sync later in the episode. So I would definitely check later in the episode for that. But I wanted to apologize to everybody listening, uh, even though I know this podcast is free, um, you know, that we've had that audio sync problem. I don't think it's been unlistenable when I listen back, but it's just not ideal because it always sounds like, I'm speaking over my guests, like, last, like, few words every time, which I'm not usually doing, so, like, it's just really, like, uh, you know, it's just annoying to listen back to when I go back and listen, but, yeah, it took me a little while to catch it, because I don't always listen to every episode, but, uh, you know, um, I just felt really bad, so, uh, if you've been listening and, you know, uh, putting up with that, Uh, Thank you. Someone said they wanted to say something, but they didn't want to offend me. I'm like, no. If something's going wrong in the episode, please just tell me. It's okay. You don't have to, like, spare my feelings or anything. I really want the show to sound better, and I want the show to sound good, you know? And it's like, it it drove me completely fucking crazy when I was trying to figure out what the problem was and trying all these fixes that weren't working until I finally uh, seemed to have found one that may have worked. But, you know, I want to fix it. So if this doesn't work, if if once again comes out of sync there's like another audio there's another program I can try that I looked into but you know I think this did fix it this at least fixed it on when I tested it beforehand with uh my girlfriend Nicole and then you and I tested it beforehand and the sync sounded fine so hopefully if, if it doesn't like drift out of sync as the show goes along here uh you know it'll it'll work if not I'm gonna like take this OBS program and like I'm gonna hunt down the people who made it and just like write them a strongly worded letter. I don't know. <laughs> just like, really it was really infuriating trying to figure out what the problem was with this thing that I've been using for over a year that worked fine and just suddenly didn't work anymore. But uh but yeah, I think it actually is a hardware issue with my new laptop that I think I fixed. So here's hoping. Fingers crossed. Yep. Keep fingers crossed and I guess we'll see. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, Like last week, I know was the worst when like one of the fixes I thought had fixed it instead like made it worse. So you know where like we actually lost TJ's audio for a couple little segments. So hopefully that does not happen again. But uh, you know I don't. It seems like this latest fix worked. So here's hoping. Um, In the meantime, before we get into our first review, uh, of course I want to plug the Wrestling Omakase Patreon. So if you haven't been keeping up with it, we've been doing daily audio coverage of every New Japan Cup show, you know, all the ones that weren't covered here on the free feed. And, you know, a lot of these, like, you know, like, I'm going to bury some stuff today, uh, especially in Angle, but also really, I I wasn't into the final months that much either. But like, you know, up until the semifinals, which I also did not like, which I uh, talked about on the Patreon, this is a pretty pretty goddamn great tournament. I mean, there's a lot of really good matches in this tournament. uh, And you can hear me break them all down on the Patreon. So again, daily audio episodes. If you want to go back through uh, the entire, you know, daily, um, you know, every show of the New Japan Cup and hear what I thought of each and every one, uh, you can go ahead and do that. And, you know, we got more stuff coming up too, though. We have uh, daily coverage of the All Japan Champion Carnival next month. Uh, So that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, next week we have a special uh, Omakase, you know, Patreon exclusive episode. We do two full length exclusive episodes every month, and it'll be the only Omakase next weekend because we'll be taking a week off on the free feed, and that'll be me and my buddy Quinlan doing a WrestleMania retro roulette. So basically six random matches from the entire history of wrestlemania we could get anything folks we could get (laughs) maybe odds be in your favor (laughs) i mean we could get like terrible shit we could get classic shit who the fuck knows you know i mean we might get a i hope we get like the gimmick battle royal from wrestlemania 17 or something like something really stupid but at least fun stupid like i hope they don't give us like i don't know uh, fucking, what, that endless Triple H versus Randy Orton Mania main event, or something like... Oh, God, yeah, some, 25. Yeah, something boring and terrible. Like, if you're gonna give us something bad, at least give me something fun bad. So, we'll see. The randomizer will will decide, you know... Triple H versus Roman Reigns. Yeah. You could end up with that. Yeah, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of boring, bad shit we could end up with. But we'll see. Uh, obviously, there are many WrestleManias, so we'll pick six random shows, and then from each show, we'll pick a random match. And that'll be like our goodbye to the WWE Network, since obviously that is going away at the end of the month. Uh, Yes. But yes, that'll be our episode next week. Uh, Again, exclusive to the Patreon. So if you want to hear that episode, you need to sign up. Uh, It's only $5. Uh, You know, I think it's obviously a great deal. You get so much audio content on there. Uh, And we'll be doing more one-match episodes towards the end of the month. Um, You know, I'm going to take a few days off here because I've been... I feel like I've been recording audio like every goddamn day for like two and a half weeks. But uh, the New Japan Cup grind is real. Yeah, it's something. And then at the so we will take a few days off. But then the one match episodes uh, with these Patreon patrons submitted matches will resume. There's still some cool stuff in there to get to. Uh, And then, like I said, we'll be doing daily coverage of the Champion Carnival before too long. So uh, lots of cool stuff coming up. Uh, that, and lots of cool stuff to already listen to in the archive, like I said, including all the New Japan Cup shows, plus, uh, you know, with the Tokyo Dome coming up again in May, we did a whole lot of uh, Tokyo Dome one-match episodes with the history of Tokyo Dome main events, so you can definitely check that out too. So this that's all at patreon.com slash wrestling Omakase. Again, patreon.com slash wrestling Omakase. Only five bucks, and you get all of our Bonus audio content. Okay, so... The stuff we're here to talk about today... We're going to start off with the New Japan Cup Finals... Sunday, March 21st from Sendai. Um... Look, I don't... Uh, the thing we have to start with, I think... Is that post-match angle with Will Osprey After he, of course, beat Shingo Takagi... To win the New Japan Cup... Uh... He hits b Priestley with this cutter... And, you know, this uh, ace crusher... Whatever you want to call it... Um just a really cringeworthy, terrible angle on so many levels. It's the kind of thing where, like, I know I have to talk about it, but, like, I've already said a lot about it on Twitter today. Um, I've read many other people. Everyone has. Yes, I was (laughs) going to say, I've read many other people, you know, make a lot of great points. And it feels like almost like I don't have anything left to say about this. But I know for the many people who are listening to this who don't follow me on Twitter – um, you know, you you want to hear, you probably want to hear what I think of this, but I think you can probably guess what I think of this, first of all. I mean, just, I don't, like, the idea is supposed to be, you know, he had said something like, what? Like, uh, I, lo- I love the idea of being uh, IWGP one champion and being recognized as the best more than anything or anyone, and then he turns and looks at B, and then he gives her this fucking cutter. Just, I like, I almost don't know where to start with this. It's just a... It's a bad idea in general to do a simulated domestic violence angle when, like, domestic violence is spiking pretty much worldwide during the current pandemic, and, you know, it, it, it is in Japan, and it's a big story in Japan, from what I understand, um, you know, if from, like, reading stuff on, you know, English-language Japanese news sites and stuff, I mean, there there have been stories about this, you know, very recently, and... You know, this is just so it feels ill-timed. First of all, Um I don't know if I want to see this angle at any time with anyone. Like, I, I'm not really willing to. You know, so I saw there was a lot of debate about it. To me, it's almost besides the point because at this time with this person, you definitely shouldn't do it. But do I really mm. want to see this type of angle in New Japan at all? Not really. I mean, to, if I'm being honest, I don't really. I don't feel as strongly about that. Like, I don't, when I saw people having that debate. Um, it really didn't feel like it didn't feel like the right debate to me, so I didn't really get involved. But no, I don't really want to see that that angle anyway. And no, I don't think it's the same thing as inter intergender wrestling when, you know, yes yes, B is a wrestler, I understand that. But she's not in a match with Will Ospreay. She did a match with Will Ospreay, you can go watch them wrestle each other if you want. I have no problem with that. But in New Japan, she is Will Ospreay's girlfriend. That is her position, you know. In this very match, Will Osprey uses her as a human shield because you're not supposed to hit her as a thing. The other wrestlers don't want to hit her, so they don't go. They don't like go after Will while she gets in their way. You know, precisely because they know it's off limits to hit this woman. You know, in New Japan. So whatever else you think about, you know, intergender wrestling or you know, should there be uh, man on woman wrestling? Like, it's clear that it's off-limits in the context of New Japan. And Will is not in a match with her. She is not uh, being presented as an equal wrestler, you know, going up against Will Ospreay. She's being presented as Will Ospreay's girlfriend, who he just gave this wrestling move to and laid out to make some stupid point about how he'd rather be world champion than uh, be in a relationship with her. And it made clear afterwards that he dumped her via this. So, yes, if you're dumping a woman by... Attacking her, you're you're doing a simulated domestic violence angle. That is what you're doing, whether she's a wrestler or not. Um, and then on top of all of that, why on earth would you choose to do this angle with this man of all people? Will Osprey is already a controversial topic in wrestling because of how he, you know, the, I really didn't want to get into this again. But yes, he likely mistreated a rape victim and you know blackballed her whatever you want to call it at the very least it's pro- you could easily prove just look at the fucking tweets that he publicly shamed her and you know publicly called her out and called her a liar and did everything in his power pa- in his considerable power to uh, ostracize this woman who again was accusing his best friend of rape so there's a lot of people that don't like Will Osprey anyway And you know this is just He already has a very bad History you know with At least one woman and there's been I don't really want to get anything else at least one Woman there's there's a very bad Story here with him and her And that's the fucking Wrestler you book to Do this like It just doesn't make any like of all Fucking people he is Quite literally the last wrestler On the roster who should be in this angle Maybe he and Hama are tied that's it. Nobody else... Like, if you absolutely have to book an angle with a wrestler physically putting their hands on their girlfriend, like, Will Ospreay should be at the bottom of the list for who you need to book that in that angle. Because just, it's just completely... It is so tone-deaf, you almost need a new word, a new term for tone-deaf. Like, tone-deaf doesn't co- doesn't quite cover it. So, you know, I want to get you in here, Jerry. Like, what do you... You know, I don't want to just be doing a monologue no, here. No,
0: you got to get it out of your system. <laughs> A, it was a slow simmer anger for me because um I really liked the main event I really did so I was on this main event high and then the os happens and it sort of just catches me off guard like you know that hot that excellent match highs you get just negate it instantly
2: yeah
0: as I'm trying to figure out what the frick just happened and it wasn't until I started thinking like what the F- forgive the cursing here but what the fuck
2: Oh, you can you curse on this show angle. all you want, believe me.
0: Yeah, you do that angle with this guy. And not just this guy, but the timing. You know, you know, we're still within the year of the speaking out movement. You know, we already know Will constantly has a target on him. You're just gonna paint a fresh coat of paint, bullseye, on the back of his head. Yeah. And also, you know, just come weeks after they try to put Skrull Skull back in, you know, through the back door. Mm-hmm. And it feels blatant. It's like they know this is going to get a reaction, so this is the route they go.
2: Yeah, and that's where, I don't think they, that's where... I don't
0: think they realized what reaction they were about to get, but they knew it was going to get a reaction.
2: That's where I would love I to think, know, was this Will's idea or was this New Japan's idea? Because I don't think that's been reported anywhere.
0: I don't know. I know... I don't know right now because like it hasn't been reported. But Hoover's idea it was, someone should have said, let's not... Let's not put this on ourselves. Yeah.
2: I mean I don't wanna because... I don't wanna steal Joe Lanz's uh scoop too much because he put it on the pay- on his voice wrestling page around, so definitely go check that out for all the details. But Joe made clear like three things. The New Japan office knew about it, uh the other Empire members knew about it, and abushi was told like at the announce table, apparently. And Fuck. <laughs> yeah. And the New Japan wrestlers, some of the New Japan wrestlers backstage, uh who did not know about it were very angry. So he has a lot more details than that on the Voice of Wrestling Patreon. But like I really want to know did Will pitch this to them and they okayed it? Or did they pitch it to Will and Will okayed it? Because those are two different scenarios to me on multiple levels. But like right. either way, somebody should have said no is the point. There should have yeah
0: someone should have said no, you know. And like you said, if they had to do this angle which spoiler, they never will have to do this angle. But if they had to do it, Will Osprey it's not the guy you go with attacking his girlfriend to prove a point of how much he wants the world title. If you, I mean, you could have still done the angle without the attack. He could have just dumped, beat, dumped her. Said, you know,
2: I'm focusing on the title now. Thank you for your interference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he could have like, and that still would have been a total heel move because she, she, as we'll talk about him in a second, she helps him in this match about as much yeah. as she has in, um in any match so far and if he had turned to her and said yeah b i want this title more than i want you see you later hit the bricks or whatever the yep. fuck without giving her I a mean, cutter that would have been a total heel move still
0: and then it would, then it would have been amazing then he loses without her mm. <laughs> you know you know that could have totally worked but no they go for this cutter
2: that and you could, and there was just so much confusion everywhere you know yeah the english announcers i don't listen to the japanese but i heard the clip of the english announcers and yes. they had no idea this was coming because the announcers never get told anything. Uh, I'm yeah. not saying that's a critique or anything. It's just what it's, it's just how it's it is. It's how it is. Yeah. And, you know, they they had no idea how to react to it. They had no idea what was going on. And it was just Gino Gambino going, what? What? repeatedly. Yes. The Japanese announcers really had no clue either. Like, what from what I understand, Milano had to explain it to them. Like, yes. he did his best to explain what was going on. Um, but, yeah, I, I just... Because, obviously, on top of that... On top of everything else, they don't speak English, which Milano does, and Milano yes. kind of translated for them. And was like, well, he said, you know, he he does he wants the belt more than her or something. But they didn't seem to get it either. And I don't really and and the crowd. I, I understand that it's a clap crowd and they can't react. But like, the clap crowds have made audible reactions to angles and matches. We've all seen it by now. Right. I mean, when a big moment happens, they gasp. They make, like, these audible reactions when it's, like, a big moment they're into. This was dead fucking silence. Like, almost eerie levels of silence. Complete silence. Yeah, because they had no idea what they were watching. They had no idea why this was happening. And it just didn't... It didn't land with anybody. And, you know, I find the intergender
0: comparisons to be such bad faith. I do, too. Bad faith, and... You know, to a certain degree, it's like, are you just stretching to find excuses for why it's okay to hit her? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's it really uncomfortable. It's a really uncomfortable line of stretching and trying to find reason for this angle. And yes, I get it as a wrestling angle, but as a wrestling angle, it fucking sucks. With the connotations of everything that's gone on, it freaking sucks. And the fact that nobody seems to have said, maybe we shouldn't do this, all effing sucks. And it puts a... They had earned back some goodwill with this tournament. Yeah. And in just a blink of the eye, they just washed it
2: away. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, what you said about the goodwill, it's like this, the, most of this tournament has been as well received as yeah. anything New Japan has done yeah. this year. I mean, I went over it, you know, like there's a lot of really cool matches in this tournament. I mean, I have, I mean, it's really kind of besides the point of star ratings, but I mean, I have a ton of matches in this tournament that I really liked. And, you know, we'll go through my top 10 later when we uh, yeah. have a better transition. But, yeah, there's, there's a lot of really cool matches in this tournament. But, like, you know, people were into it. There was, like, more clean finishes. And, you know, it, just, it was a very different vibe to compare. The
0: wrestlers were motivated. Yeah, the you wrestlers were motivated. We got
2: some good performances from people we haven't gotten good performances from in a while. Yeah.
0: You know, it, it was going good. And now we're not talking about the tournament at all
2: yeah I mean yep. this this oversh- I, that's where I don't get whoever's idea it was, like the reason why this was such a bad idea, even beyond the moral aspect of it, which I'm not at all trying to downplay because you know I just ranted about it for all that time, but even beyond yes. the moral aspect of it ever of it being a wrong the wrong thing to do, just from a pure new Japan what you're trying to do standpoint, this was fucking stupid because all it did was overshadow a match that most people liked a lot more than I did. As we'll get into uh, a match, a match a lot of people loved, and the finals of a tournament that a lot of people loved, and it in, instead of hype being like being like, oh, what a great tournament we had, what a great finals we had. Now we have Kota Ibushi versus Will Osprey, the first I, uh, IWGP World Heavyweight Title match. You know, get excited for that; it's coming up in a few short weeks. Instead of all of that, we're talking about this. This angle right. did not do anything positive for new japan pro wrestling it overshadowed your tournament it overshadowed your finals it overshadowed your next your upcoming title match and all that's left is a focus and a glare on new japan doing the wrong thing at the wrong time with the wrong person and again like you mentioned this i'm glad you brought it up i totally forgot about it coming just off the heels of that marty scroll shit i mean it doesn't help that this company just looks more goddamn tone deaf by the day so and, and on a personal level, it sucks because I really fucking like this company., yeah.
0: you know what I mean? I mean, I know that should not come into play, but because you really shouldn't put anything on the pedestal, but this this is my this is my promotion, you know the one I've invested the time and money, and I'm investing thousands of dollars to go see in January, hopefully <laughs> and, it, and it, you know and it upsets me that I have this feeling about them right yeah. now over. 10 seconds that never needed to exist. It. Yeah,
2: it's just it's just really it's really frustrating. I mean...
0: It's really frustrating and I don't have good answers and I both don't know how they get out of this and I kind of, you know, because I hate the angle so much, I kind of don't care how they get out of it. Yeah, I mean... I, you know, just if you have to apologize, drop it, which you're not going to do. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be unrealistic here and just move on, do it, but... You got yourselves in this mess, you know. Figure it out. You're the adults in the room, allegedly. Yeah. So,
2: yeah, I think we pretty much covered it. But I, you know, just just a really bad angle, really badly timed, really the wrong, the exact wrong person. Uh, and I just, you know, I don't have much else to say about it. I guess. Do you have anything else you want to add before we? I I think that was slightly therapeutic. <laughs> honestly, <laughs> it did it did feel good to get some of it out. I did a
0: bad job this morning trying to get my thoughts out on Twitter, but there. I think I got him out as best I could. Yeah,
2: it's just it's a really it's just a shitty position to be put in as fans, you know. And we we yes. don't, don't want to be on here, ranting about how much we hate this shit. I mean, we, you know, I mean, you just said it. I, you know, it's one of my favorite companies too, um, and it, you know, it is a company that I also spend a lot of money on to go to all sorts of shows over the years, and right. probably going to do it again this year, and or the end of the year, I should say. And yeah, it's just a really you know I don't want to be on here ranting about how much I hate them, but. It's that I have to be fair. I mean, that it's a really terrible angle, uh, yeah. and I just don't. I don't know why they decided to do that. And yeah. you know, and and by the way, this is a slightly different topic. But the people, if you're online, uh, saying, "Oh, well, Japan is very different, and it's a different culture, and you don't get," it, it's like, first of all, you you don't have to like Japan. Explain to me, bro. Uh, I read plenty <laughs> about. I know plenty about Japan. But second of all. Like, t- like, do you understand how reduc- Not you, obviously, The, the per- this theoretical person. Like, do you understand how reductive it is to talk about an entire country as if they're a fucking monolith on any subject? It's like, yes, Japanese culture and American culture are different. But you can go on Twitter and find plenty of fucking Japanese fans who are burying the shit out of this angle. Uh, you know, some for similar reasons as-, as english twitter has been doing it or western twitter but sometimes some of them just don't want to see this in new japan there's a lot of tweets like that that i saw of japanese fans just saying i don't want this in my new japan and they're just as valid as anybody else yes there are japanese fans who are fine with this angle who are you know replying to will osprey on instagram or whatever the fuck but there's western fans who are fine with this angle too go look at the Fucking Super Jcast Twitter and, like, the replies they got from people who are, you know, all pissed off that they dared not to like this angle. So, it's just, no one's a monolith. Western Twitter is not a monolith. Japanese Twitter is not a monolith. People are going to like it, and people are going to dislike it. You don't have to go on Twitter and say, oh, this angle's fine because the Japanese fans are fine with it. It's like... The fans in the building didn't seem like they loved it either, honestly, as we just yeah. went over. And there's plenty of people on Twitter, you know, there's plenty of Japanese fans on Twitter who clearly didn't like it. So just, if, you, if you're if you not finding them, then you're not looking, because it's very easy to find them.
0: Yeah, and one just final thing, just to wrap things up. Also, don't go on Twitter and tell certain people, especially women who have found themselves in this position in their lives, how they should feel about this angle. Yeah. It's fucking disgusting, and it Serves no purpose other than to belittle how they legitimately feel and think. Yeah,
2: it's just really... Don't do it. It's just really stupid. And, like, there's, of course, like, this whole thing has brought out a lot of, you know, very stupid discourse, which, you know, I kind of knew it would. Uh, as yeah. for the match itself, which I did not watch live, I was spoiled on it because, uh, I, actually, when I talked about that Voices of Wrestling Patreon report, um, that's what spoiled me. Like, I woke up half <laughs> asleep... And so, cause I get their Patreon post sent to me as an email, as email. And, you know, I woke up half asleep, I checked their email and, you know, I, I checked my email, I mean, and like, I see this message from them and says like, uh, about the post match angle at, uh, New Japan cup final. And like the first line of the emails in, you know, in my little screen on my phone, and it says like, after beating Shingo Takagi, uh, to win the New Japan cup. And I was like, what the fuck? Why would they email? Why would they put that out there as a Patreon post and spoil everybody when the show just happened? But then when I kept kept reading, I was like, oh, because this is a pretty, what's the word? Like a pretty, um, like, you know, a pretty rare circumstance, I guess, or a pretty pretty outrageous circumstance where you, you understand why they did it. But yeah, so I got spoiled on the match by that. And I got spoiled that there was some kind of horrible angle Uh, and then, you know, I kind of like was reading the discourse, I guess, before I even saw, I mean, I saw the clip of the angle, but I hadn't seen the match yet. So I want to say all that because first of all, you know, I'm watching this match spoiled. I'm watching it both spoiled and with already a negative feeling because of how this shitty angle. Yeah. So I'm sure that hurt my opinion of it because I, I am a lot lower on this match than, uh, the consensus appears to be, you know, like, I think it has like something like a four point, Fucking five average on grapple. Let me see what it is actually right now up to up to the minute. That sounds about right. Yeah. As of now, it is a if it ever loads. It's a four point five six average on grapple. Uh, but yes, Will Osprey defeats Shingo Takagi in 30.06 with the Stormbreaker. Look, I didn't hate this match, even with all those, uh, you know, even with all those, you know, caveats. I didn't love it either, though. I I went three and a half stars on it. I thought it was good. But, like, there's a couple... There's a few spots in here that I really hated. And, you know, we'll get through them as we go through it here. You know, Some of the spots are not quite their fault. Some of it, it just feels like it's been building this entire New Japan Cup. And, like, you know, in in New Japan lately as far as, like, uh, you know, the the cliches and stuff, which I'll get into. Like, the first thing first. It starts out with a big you know, T's will hit each other with our finishers right at the start sequence. I am so fucking sick of that sequence. And I'll tell you why. Nobody ever actually hits their finisher during one of these. So you know, it's not actually leading anywhere. So like until somebody actually hits their fucking finisher, uh, a minute and a half or two minutes into a match, you know, whether they, they don't have to win with it. The guy can kick out cause it's a minute and a half or two minutes into a match. But like for these sequences to mean anything, I need someone to actually hit their finisher this early. And they they do these sequences fairly often now. You know, not in every match or anything. But, like, you know, in these big matches, they do them fairly often. These teasing finishers right at the start sequences. And I'm really sick of them. Because nobody ever actually hits their fucking finisher during these sequences. So, it just ends up coming off, like, you know, time-wasting. Kind of, like, you know, pap. I don't know. Like, just total, you know, bullshit. Um, Then we get Osprey. Tossing Shingo into the railing repeatedly on the outside. Now, if you've been listening to me on the Patreon, Patreon.com/RustingOmakase, the railing spots in New Japan are so beyond overdone. They, I believe, it would not surprise me if it was featured in literally every single New Japan Cup tournament match. And if it wasn't, it was damn close. Like every single tournament match, someone went into the railing, and. I don't know, like, they really got to do, like, a match, a singles match where nobody goes into the railing on the outside because I'm so sick of it. Uh, you know, Shingo did do a good job selling with his pre-existing back injury. He came in with his back all taped up, you know, selling from the match with Evil yesterday, which I guess would have been the first clue he was losing here uh, if I hadn't been spoiled on it already. But, yeah, so Shingo did a good job selling, you know, especially when Osprey hit his hit a backdrop suplex on him across the railing. Um and, you know, and there was also a cute little spot where Shingo got up in front of Ibushi. You know, he's kind of grinning at him and, like, patting him on the shoulder. That was a cool little moment. But, yeah, and then... So then B Priestly gets involved in the match. Um, again, I'm already sport on the post-match. So I'm thinking, well, this I guess this won't be a big thing going forward. But she grabs Shingo from behind, distracts him long enough for Osprey to run him into the post... And, you know, I ranted on this again on the Patreon yesterday after the Finley match where she got involved briefly. But, like, we already have, like, 50 interfering managers in New Japan, it feels like, and we don't need another one. I guess it's kind of a moot point now, unless, you know, she's going to come back and turn on Ibushi in some kind of swerve, which, given that uh, she, made, she made a big deal out of following Ibushi on Instagram when he carried her out and stuff, I wouldn't surprise me if that's where they're going with that. But anyway, um, and this leads, you know... To a kind of silly spot where Shingo Shingo goes to whip Osprey in the railing. Osprey, like somehow, starts like trotting almost instead of running, and does this like little leap over the railing, but like at such a slow speed it looks stupid instead of looking cool, like just a tiny little jump. And then Shingo, you know, he, so there's a table set up. He starts yelling on the table in English for some reason. That was kind of funny. And he tries to Death Valley Driver Osprey off the apron through the table. But B gets involved again and pulls the table away and then stands in front of Osprey so Shingo can't dive at him. Now, you know, at least she didn't, you know, she interfered only, I guess you would say, twice or three times. It's not as much as Dick Togo interferes in evil matches, fine. But this still felt like to me, like I was watching Revolution again. You know, watching that AEW pay-per-view where it's like some wrestlers are allowed to have interference in their matches and some aren't. It is the most inconsistent thing that people complain about in wrestling today this is even in the same company as like people can't even. i saw people try to use the excuse during the aw thing that oh well you know i can like interference in one company but not the other fine this is now the same fucking company as the evil stuff that people complain about endlessly and the J white stuff and whatever else and dick to- and uh Jado with god Uh, all 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 the other fucking run-ins this is the same company and people somehow don't seem to have a problem with b getting involved here and have no you know no uh you know pause at giving this match you know four and a half stars four and three quarters five stars match of the year where it's like other times in the same again in the same fucking company if there's any interference in the match people are immediately taking like a star off and you know not willing to give it any any kind of rating So, again, interference right now in wrestling, and this is my, this is going to be my whole point here, is the most inconsistently applied critique out there. If you like the wrestler, you're willing to look the other way on interference. If you don't like the wrestler, you're not willing to look the other way. And I guess you could say it's like that for a lot of stuff in pro wrestling, and I get it, but this one just drives me insane because of just how vociferously people argued that the, the evil interference was, like, killing New Japan. And here you have Will Ospreay, you know, Will Ospreay's girlfriend getting involved in the middle of this main event in the New Japan Cup Finals, and no one seems to give a shit. Just like you had people getting involved all pay-per-view long, seven out of eight matches of Revolution, and nobody seemed to give a shit. And it's like, again, if people had just said, I don't like evil, that's fine. Instead of making it some crusade against interference, it would be way uh, way more tolerable now to watch a match with like three interference spots here uh, get the hu- kind of hyper praise it's been getting. So that's my little interfere- interference rant. And anything you want to touch on before I keep going here?
0: Well, I was going to try to interfere. Just, <laughs> <You know? laughs> I don't. But, um, I'm not the one who cares about interference. I'm. I'm I know, to- but I just thought it'd be funny <laughs> if I just interfered. It's like, oh, great! Now we're getting interference on podcast. Is there anything it doesn't touch? I mean, I'll admit, and I've always openly admit when it comes to wrestling, I'm a hypocrite. Because sometimes it does depend on the wrestler. Sometimes it depends on the match, too. Um, And some wrestlers, I think, are great enough that they can have a lot of interference and still put together a great match. And some just, if that's all they they can depend on for the match to go on, then it's a different thing Mm -hmm. to me. Um, Will Ospreay and Shingo are great enough wrestlers that they can have interference and still put together a great match. Evil can have good matches with interference, but then they start bringing out the garrots and they start taking off the turnbuckles
2: and it just becomes too much of a muddle. Yeah, no, it's fair. I mean, the one that I always point to that will annoy me until the day I die was that Evil Nitro match from Power Struggle, Power Struggle last year. Because I legitimately think that was an amazing fucking match for most of it, you know, between the interference spots. But if you listen to people critique the match, all they talk about is the interference spots. And it's like, um, you know powerstrom oh, remind me which that one was the last one that was the best one I mean most people do, do seem to agree it was the best one but like yeah. it, all the critique you heard about was just the interference the interference the interference and it's like yeah. if you're not gonna you know if you're, if you're gonna hyper focus on it even when they're having a great match in between like that's where I start to get really annoyed
0: fair I, I, I respect that I understand what you're saying and I do think I do think with some wrestlers, like especially evil and I'll call myself Alan, this for evil, I think we've gotten so what's the word I'm looking for annoyed by it that now that we just automatically assume that's what we're going to get. So we're already predetermined mm-hmm. to, dislike it, to dislike it before it even yeah. happens because we're already in that mindset. Well, here comes an evil match, right? No, they, 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 just, here comes Dick Togo. Here comes, you know, chairs. Here comes the ref grabbing the yeah. leg, which is one of my least favorite spots, <laughs> by the way. Um, but um, you know, you, you know, you I'm already in the pre mindset I'm gonna get all this stuff, so I'm already probably in the pre mindset that I'm just not gonna enjoy yeah, this. And but I'm not trying to dismiss what you're saying because you're right, there is a hypocritical level. And I think even though know, some fans will try to say that they don't have it, we all have it because we all have our faves and dislikes and we will always be preferring to criticize the people we dislike over certain things over the people we do right. like. Um you know, especially when it comes to things like comedy or interference or even certain, just certain moves. Yeah, for you, sure. know? So, you know. So that's how. So it is.
2: Shingo, one thing though, and Shingo's a guy I usually love, but he's doing some really like corny selling, like mo- much more corny than he usually does. Like around the twenty-minute mark, I guess he was trying to sell that he was stunned or something, even while he was making a comeback. But it just didn't look good to me at all. He was like shaking his head around a lot and making these like. Pretty ridiculous faces, so that stood out to me in a bad way. And then came the spot that I thought, you know, basically killed any chance of me going four stars of this match. So okay, Osprey takes a pumping bomber. Okay, he ta- does the flip. He takes the pumping bomber full force to the face. I have to make that clear because some people seem to be confused about what the spot is versus his normal spot. So he takes his pumping bomber full force to the face, does a flip. Like, he's going to do a flip cell, which would have been fine. Flip cells are great. But instead of landing, like, you know, on his belly or his back or whatever, he lands back on his feet, is completely fine, and then hits an Oz cutter. That's fucking stupid as well. As hell, I should say. It's one thing to take a Lariat, hit the mat, and get right back up and no-sell it. But to basically flip right through it like that, after the impact, makes the entire thing look stupid... Makes the entire thing look fake, which, you know, just rubs your fucking face and how fake it is. Like, there is no, it doesn't make any sense you would take a lariat, full force to the face, flip and land back on your feet, and be completely fine. It just doesn't make any sense. When a wrestler takes a lariat and, like, stumbles back up to their feet, you know, that makes sense. They're running on adrenaline, they took this move, They're, they get right back up. You're not even selling the impact of the move at this point. There was no point in taking this lariat except because you thought it looked cool for you to flip out of it. It doesn't look cool. It looks fucking dumb as hell. And I saw a lot of people on Twitter and elsewhere basically arguing, oh, that's just a counter of the lariat. He does that all the time. No, that's not what he does all the time. Usually he flips to avoid the lariat and turns into... You know, that one-man Spanish fly he does, or sometimes he flips over and goes for the Stormbreaker. That's fine. That's just a counter. Here, he is getting hit by the move, doing a fucking flip, no-selling it, landing on his feet, and then immediately hitting his Ozcutter. That did not look cool, at least not to me. That looks stupid as hell. Uh, I'm assuming you thought that spot was cool if you want to try to defend it, but most people seem to think it was cool. I thought it was fucking stupid. I really don't have a good defense, but
0: I did fucking love it. I'm not gonna lie. And I think I love it just because it came out and it just, because the match was just flowing to me. And then when it just happened, it just happened. And it's just like, what the fuck just happened? I don't think I never had time to process it in the way you processed it. You know, I, I mean, and I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm not, you know, saying that in a negative way towards you. I'm just saying it happened and I just went with the flow. I never sat back to think, did that fucking make sense? And there's some things don't get me wrong There are some things in wrestling i would think did that make sense but i was enjoying that match so much It just i just went yeah, with it that's fair i get what you're saying though i think this is gonna be one of the things that you it's gonna be like years ago when we had the will osprey ricochet mm. opening yeah i hate, I hate, I hate acrobat that <laughs> yeah that's what i'm saying you know there was a lot of people who were into it and loved it and wrote countless unneedless paragraphs for why it was good and there were people like no this was trash yeah. And I think this spot is about to be cemented there as well. Uh, There's gonna be like no middle ground yeah, with it. You were you either thought it was fucking boss, or you thought it was the pure shits, I and mean, we can see yeah, where you lie. Sure.
2: So Osprey does a 450 off the top rope through uh, a table on the floor to Shingo. That was very cool. Give him credit for that. And the... it, it made me say "Oh shit!" to the point that I thought I was going to get a noise complaint. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Shingo gets back up against the railing to beat the 20 count. Abushi once again patting him to encourage him when he was right in front of him again. That was kind of yep. cute. But then Osprey immediately pounces and gets a shooting star press for a two count just before the 25 minute call. Uh, we get the big series of reversals and one man Spanish flies you would expect before Osprey puts him away the roaring elbow, uh, two straight hidden blades, and finally the stormbreaker for the pin. You know, the finish was cool and definitive. I like that about it. Like, it did, they didn't go on too long with the. Finisher reversals, like you can sometimes see in New Japan, and you know it was the kind of win that Osprey should have. You know, getting ready to headline, mm-hmm. uh you know, Sumo Hall, but you know, I so I gave it like an extra quarter star for that. But I'm giving, you know, I'm going three and a half on it. Like I said earlier, it just didn't click at a four star plus level for me. Definitely not like a match of the year candidate. And you know, any match to hedge what I think is the dumbest spot of the year, I'm not going to get super high, high marks from me. um yep. But yeah, like I said as a caveat, I was spoiled. I already had a bad taste from my mouth from the angle. So, you know, I, I'm sure if I had watched it live, I probably would have been a little higher on it. But, you know, I doubt I would have given match of the year, you know, contender or anything. But I thought it was a very disappointing ending to what had been a great tournament up until the semifinals. But, you know, what are you going to do?
1: In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. off again that's arenaclub.com slash v-o-w-net club.com slash v-o-w-net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club and we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network
0: well <laughs> I loved it but I feel really weird now loving this match after everything has gone down we just talked about minutes ago, minutes yeah. ago. It's like, uh, kids. Okay, like, am I allowed to re- retroactively beat <laughs> this match now? Like, no, no, I loved it. I wrote down four and a half. I wrote down in all caps, bold, underlined, tits cannot be calmed. Yeah. But then underneath
2: it, I said I was wrong. Yeah, he said <laughs> they were calmed. That's true. Yeah, they were calmed by the
0: Oz Cutter afterwards. Mm. But um, no, I really liked this match. It, I loved that it was 30 minutes and I'd never felt 30 minutes.
2: I, mean, I will it say did, it did not drag. Just- that is for sure.
0: It did not drag. I thought they kept a the good pace. I really loved the things like with Shingo being encouraged by Ibushi. I hate that that lured me into thinking Shingo was it going to win It definitely did
2: this. for me. Well, uh, okay, I, I, I watched it spoiled. Uh, I remember thinking as I watched it, I'm like, wow, if I had watched this on Swirl, I would have thought he was winning because of that. Like, But, but shit, but they did. Yeah, there was a moment where I really thought Shingo was a
0: win. There was this moment, I think it was at the 20-minute mark before this spot, You Hate It, where I'm... Um, Osprey is hitting Shingo, and is just slowly standing up and has that murder face. Now, on. if
2: Koda beats Osprey, uh, Shingo probably will be the next challenger anyway, because that's that's traditionally what they do. The the New Japan Cup yeah. runner-up usually does get the Duntaku challenge, so mm-hmm. they could still be teasing Shingo or even without, you know,
1: that's yeah.
2: That's true, but, and I really want yeah. that match. I think we will get that match, you know, um, eventually. Whether, if Osprey wins, um, and then, you know, Abuchi um, has to win the belt back from him or something, which I think is very mm-hmm. possible, then you know, that'll take longer, but either either way, I think we're going to get that match. still.
0: yeah. Um, I do, I do, I don't fully disagree with you on the B interference. I just had to say why I thought it works. And sometimes it doesn't. I'm really glad that all Ocon and Cobb did was sit and watch (laughs) because I was really worried they were going to get involved because they were down there, but it didn't, you know, so it's like, okay, it didn't go too overboard. Um, so I thought it was a very great main event. I gave it four and a half, which seems to be the number going around. It's definitely not match of the year. Um, it was definitely not better than several matches that would happen in this tournament to me. Um, but I wasn't just—I dis- wasn't disappointed. I'm just very hesitant because it just feels weird hyping this matchup yeah, now. For sure. Um, it's, it's not uncomfortable because I did like it, and there's no point in pretending I didn't like it, you know. But at the same time, it's like Sigh. it's like I just can't. I'm not going to spend the time hyping this matchup that I otherwise would have.
2: (laughs) That's fair. So I'm going to quickly give since this, we'll go through the rest of the card really quickly. I mean, there's not much else to it, but before we do that, to wrap up the actual tournament. uh, So this is my top 10 matches of the tournament, which I've been, again, most of these were covered on the Omikase Patreon. So if you want to hear my thoughts on all of them in long form, you can check that out. But the top 10 starts in 10th place with the quarterfinal David Finley versus Jay White from March 18th in Shizuoka. Gave that one three and three quarters. Uh, nine through five are all four stars flat, so I don't have to keep repeating myself. Uh, ninth place, second round, Evil versus Jeff Cobb from March 11th in Ihame. Uh, I seem to be very alone on that one, but I love that match. I thought that was just like the best Evil match he's had in forever. You know, he he had a very, uh, not, a, not a very good tournament, in my opinion. Uh, so this was like the, his big standout match. You know, the other. Yeah, his other matches I really didn't like his Shingo match or the uh, Yano match. So this was his big standout for me. Eighth place, Will Ospreay versus Sonata from the quarterfinals. Again, also 318 in Shizuoka or from the yeah quarterfinals. Uh, seventh place, second round, Shingo versus Godo, March 13th in Nagoya. Sixth place in the first round, Sonata versus Ishii from March 9th in Okayama. Fifth place in the quarterfinals, Shingo versus Kenta from march 16th in cork and hall yeah that, that was match. awesome <laughs> fourth place the match i you know i like this match a lot but a lot of people seem to like it a lot more than i did and i broke down why it wasn't a match of the year contender for me uh on the patreon fourth place second round will osprey versus zack saber jr march 14th in amagasaki i gave that four and a quarter stars third place goto versus taichi from the first round march 5th at cork and hall also four and a quarter Second place, Great Okan versus Tetsuya Naito. March 4th, the Nippon Budokan, also four and a quarter. And first place, really led wire to wire, uh, Shingo Takagi versus Kazuchika Okada, March 6th at the Oda Ward Gym. Four and a half stars, definitely to me, these stand out of what was a very good tournament? I mean, yeah. Yes. And I I want to say that I am very happy to see
0: Naito Okan rank so highly on your list. No one's
2: surprised because it's Naito. And Ocon, who I love too. Yeah. But yeah, I love I loved that match. Yeah. The, like Night like. Yeah, are... I loved it. I don't think I rated it that
0: high. I think I gave it flat four when I wrote my review, but I loved it. And I would
2: defend Ocon yeah. to anyone. Yeah. People are really good so... for sure. But yeah, so I have, you know, a great tournament. If you haven't checked out some of the matches, you know, like I said, nine matches of four stars are better. Uh, and then another five matches of three and three quarters. Uh, another, let me see how many here. Another six, I think. At three and a half. I mean, the only matches I had below three stars were uh, Yoshihashi versus Yujiro from the first round, Shingo versus Evil yeah. from the semifinals, uh, Yano versus Okan from the second round, Evil versus Yano from the quarterfinals, and Yano versus Fale from the first round. So basically, if you did, was, didn't involve Toriano, it was probably pretty good. Uh, I was say, Yano had the opposite <laughs> of the match-of-a-year-caliber yeah. tournament, which... It's not. It's really rough for him but... these, with these like clap crowds. So, like two and a half yes. against Great O'Connor was like as best as he could do. But right. Uh, but yeah, there you go. That's my New Japan Cup wrap up. Uh, to wrap up the predictions, so I had said on the Patreon that I was surprised more people picked Osprey than Shingo because I thought Shingo was definitely winning. So, haha. <laughs> I was doing. I was doing really good in this in this fucking pick 'em until you know, obviously I got the final wrong, and that's worth twelve fucking points. So that dropped me all the way from like tied for third to nineteenth because I got that final wrong. So there you go. That's where I finish. Uh, yeah, twenty-five people have picked Osprey compared to seventeen who picked Shingo, and then the remaining sixteen people picked somebody else. Uh, so Chris Sampson wins the Omakase pickem. I think he won all the pickems on Sport of Pro Wrestling when it's his site. So uh, get your uh, get your conspiracy <laughs> theories going now, folks. He goes first place with seventy points um bakor finishes second with 69 points and if you happen to listen to this buddy i will give you the free month uh of omakase patron you know even though i said first place only but it just feels weird to me giving i mean i'll give chris the prize too but like it's his website so it feels a little weird to me it's like yeah. you know how like oh people who are members of blah 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 can't win it's like well that should kind of feels like it should have been the case i guess but I think next I think next time Chris should not
0: <laughs> join at least one tournament so everybody else has go. a chance. I mean I'm not
2: saying Chris Chris didn't have any inside info, I think he just owned us all. Uh yeah, he yeah. just owned us
0: all, you know, with his statistical analysis yeah. the bastard. But yeah, so Bakura <laughs> finishes
2: second in, with sixty-nine points. Uh Sean Cedor from Voice of Wrestling finishes third with sixty-eight points. Uh Paul Wedding finishes fourth with sixty-seven points. And then tied for fifth, Rika Tatsumi uh, hopefully the actual wrestler, but I know it's, I know who it is, it's not her, but it's just kind of funny to see that name there, uh, 65 points, and Yap, Yapity Strap, with 65 points as well, tied for fifth, uh, last place, of course, my buddy Aaron, four points, <laughs> so he got, he got no, he got two matches right in the first round, nothing after that, so way to go, Aaron, and then second to last place, Mavs Gillis, uh, the young boy announcer, 14 points, so, not very good Not very good at predicting, I guess. What are you going to do? Uh, but there there you go. That's your wrap-up on the Pick'Em. Had a lot of fun with it, so thank you if you entered. Uh, it definitely gave me st- extra stuff to talk about uh, throughout all this New Japan Cup coverage. Okay, so let's get to the rest of the show very quickly because there's really not much of note on it. Uh, yeah. The semi-main event was Okada, Tanahashi, and Ibushi beating Jay White, Folly, and Owens. Abushi uh, pinning Chase in eleven thirty one with the Kamigoe. Um Is it just me or are these Kamigoes like kind of look looking more lame lately? I don't know. I shouldn't use that word. Looking like just not as cool. I, it just they don't look very cool lately. They they look like much less impactful or something. Maybe guys told him to stop kneeing them, kneeing them in the head as hard as he could or something. But they just don't look as cool lately. I don't know. Or well, maybe well, maybe lately just because he. Not in big time matches,
0: he's just oh, well, not I noticed it. I mean, I feel
2: like I've noticed it in like his Sonata defense and stuff too, but I don't know. Okay, I'll yeah. have to
0: go back and look at that because I and honestly like the don't know. Match. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It feels like it feels like he's but, um, been
2: very weak coming goings lately, and you never know. We never, We it could very well be a hey, can yeah. you like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it was kind of yeah. interesting thing. Um, there was one spot where Jay White and Tanahashi did like a million standing switches. It looked stupid as hell. I feel like that was supposed to look yes. cool, but it went on for, it felt like an eternity. It wasn't exciting. wasn't cool looking. And it ended with Jay just mm-hmm. pulling his hair and then hitting a pretty mediocre DT. So bad sequence. Yeah, I didn't like it. Yeah, I didn't like it. Just, stick, just stick to having your abs <laughs> off. Ab all. please. Uh, but yeah, so this was a two and a half stars. Very average match. You know, points off for that horrendous white ton of sequence. And then after the match, Tanahashi and White got in each other's faces, so in case anyone doubts, that is an upcoming never title match, and then Ibushi went straight to the commentary table for the main event and, as usual, had no idea what to do with his two titles, so that's why he's unifying them. Yeah, if you can't figure out what to do with two titles, making them one might just make it less
0: confusing <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> and kick everyone you. off. Match four, L.I.J., Naito, Sonata, and Bushi. Beat Finn juice with their terrible tag team music, and Toa Hanare. Sonata, that music is so bad.
0: I thought that was their teammate from over here. They come with their terrible music.
2: Uh, Sonata pin Hanare and Ten Ten at the O'Connor Bridge. Something's got to be up with hanari He's getting pinned in every show, so and he's, and he's getting, getting angry. angry. So yeah, something's got to be up with him. uh I hope so. Yeah, he takes yet another L here. We're all just kind of waiting for the inevitable he'll turn at this point. Uh, match was a perfectly fine undercard tag not much a note here two and three quarter stars
0: pretty per, pretty much on point with me you know it, it, it was a fine match it got you know henry lost got angry
2: and i'm hoping it leads to something soon i hope they don't drag the it out too long it was definitely naito uh making fun of juice's juice thing which he stole from moose but, yes. Yeah, no one no one ever remembers that. <laughs> but Yes. The Naito making fun of the juice arm motion is always always a delight. So uh match number 3 was the Bullet Club trio of Evil Kenta and Yujiro beating Yano Yoshihashi and Show from Chaos. Uh Ujiro pins Yoshihashi in 924 with the Pimp Juice crime. I'm sorry. Oh, a crime that he pinned him, That's yeah. a crime. Um yeah, this was fine again. Nothing that's gonna knock your socks off. Uh, also, just doing interference and distraction finishes in these six-mans somehow annoys me even more than doing it in matches that actually matter. Just feels like, really? We can't even do a fucking six-man tag without this shit? Right. Uh, um, and Kenta stole, stole Yoshihashi's yes. so staff. Togo distracted the ref with his groat wire, acting like he was gonna come in the ring with it, so Yujiro could hit Yoshi with his, you know, fucking walking stick or whatever, and then pin him with the pimp juice. Uh, I guess that might set up a never six-man title match on the next tour. Be still my heart. <laughs> <You're> definitely <laughs> need a Yujiro team getting a... Let me get those stars ready. Uh, <laughs> afterward, the Bullet Club guys beat up the Chaos Rushers some more. Who cares? Yep.
0: I just and That's what I actually
2: wrote on my notes. Who cares? Who cares? Master... I also wrote, I wish the Bullet Club would run out yep, of ammunition. That, there you go. Uh that's two. The great Okan and Jeff Cobb beating Satoshi Kojima and Tomaki Hanma. Cobb pinning Hama in eight fifty eight with the tour of the islands. Uh just a match. Two and a half stars. I don't know. That that's, that's <laughs> pretty much boiling down this entire yeah. undercard. Maybe the news of what happened, the main event, just soured me on the Empire in general right now, but I I wasn't into this really. It was alright. I wasn't either. I think it was just yeah. there. Uh the opener was Taichi, Zach, and Doki beating Suji, Uemura, and Gabriel Kidd. Taichi pinning Suji in 1039 with the dangerous backdrop. Um, this was a fun opener, a good reminder that as great as the Techers often were working babyface, you know, against different teams in the World Tag League and then in the G O D feud, they're still fantastic shit heels as well. So uh Taichi yes. coming in the ring and like just stepping on Kid repeatedly while Zack had him in a half crowd. That was like a great example of that. Um, unfortunately, Suji tried to do something a little too complicated for him at this stage, I guess. He tried to have Oimura, like help him on the second rope for a splash off of there on Taichi. But he screwed it up and basically stumbled off the ropes. And then had to awkwardly like throw himself in the splash with no momentum. Uh, so that kind of sucked. But Taichi ended up pinning him with a backdrop. You know, fun opener. Screw up aside. I went three stars on this. Definitely the best thing of the undercard. Only thing I would even yeah three stars i i i always
0: have a good time with young alliance always and dangerous tackers
2: it's good and, and dangerous tackers <laughs> only thing we didn't get was tai Chi yeah, taking his pants off i was pants uh so we don't have any cards yet for new japan so right now they have a week off which honestly thank god uh <laughs> after all the discourse and the new japan cup i'm i'm very happy to have a week off for new japan
0: in fact new japan don't make any decisions <laughs> yeah. for a few days uh I'm worried whatever decision you make now will be a bad
2: one. So take a few days, breathe, think carefully, yeah. then so come back. So the road Genesis, a very short tour, only four shows. Uh, Sunday, March 28th, in Gunma, which I don't think is televised. And then two Korakans, Monday the 29th, so a week from Monday. And Tuesday the 30th, again, no cards so far. Uh, Thursday in Fukushima, probably won't be televised either. Uh, that's Thursday, April 1st. And then we get Sakura Genesis Sunday, April 4th. We'll see what, what the actual like matches are here. Um, you know, besides obviously Coda versus Osprey, like they're teasing a lot of stuff, but like they need, they, you know, they need, uh, you know, like they need other matches for the fucking Dentaku tour. Cause you know, Dentaku tour has mm-hmm. four big shows, you know, wrestling to no Kuni, uh, April 28th and 29th, and then, you know, Dantaku is a two-night event again, May 3rd and 4th. And then right after that is the fucking Wrestle Grand Slam Tour, you know, with the Yokohama show and the Tokyo Dome show. So, you know, they yeah. a lot of big shows coming up. They're going to need a lot of matches. So it wouldn't surprise me to see Sakura Genesis, like, you know, be like a only like one or two title matches and a bunch of undercard tags again, and then save some more stuff like, you know, White Tanahashi or something for the Dantaku shows. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. Uh, but, yes, that's our New Japan talk. Let us move the fuck on. Uh, <laughs> move over to something else. <laughs> so let's go over to Pro Wrestling NOAH. Uh, they had a Cork and Hall show today, Sunday, March 21st. Um, the NOAH the Infinity uh, Cork and Hall attendance of 678. Um, the big unfortunate news was that like Kaito Kiyomiya, uh, you know, was missed the show due to a concussion he suffered in the Fukuoka title match against Keiji Mudo back on March 14th, which we didn't cover on this show, by the way. I kind of forgot it was happening uh, when I went to do the schedule for the month. And, you know, I just... I, I don't have strong opinions on the Mudo thing. I haven't even watched the Mudo-Kiyomiya match. It seems like people have really gone to their corners on this and they either love Keiji Mudo as champion or they fucking hate Keiji Mudo as champion. And I'm here, like... I'm pretty ambivalent to Kei as champion. I don't really care that much. So I feel very awkward. And then, people are... and then I'm in the weird position where I don't like him as champion, but I keep defending yeah, his matches. I don't know. <laughs> you, like, you like the game I haven't seen it. People, people seem to really hate Some people seem to really hated it. but
0: Yeah, I know. And I get the hate. I do. But God love me. For whatever reason, I enjoyed oh, the know, match. I still got to watch it. And I will not apologize for enjoying it. With that being said, it's probably the best I'm going to get out of that rain.
2: But yeah, so Kiyomiya is, uh, you know, off the show here. And, you know, we'll have to see how long he's going to be out for. Uh, Yeah, concussions are never fun. The main event was for the GHC national title. Kazuyuki Fujita, another bald old man, beats Kano in 1914 with his pump kick to become the fourth champion. Uh, Kano fails in seventh defense. So, wow, he, he had this belt. You know, quite a while with this uh, title reign. Um, yeah, this I I thought this match was f- awesome. I mean, this was the one awesome match uh, I was talking about. <laughs> like of all the stuff we're talking about in this show, I don't think you have to watch most of it. I mean, I you know some most people seem to like Osprey Shingo, obviously, but like this match was fucking awesome. Um, so both the entire Congo and Sugarragoon units accompanied each of them out there, which I liked. It gave this match like a more of an epic feel. It's like everybody's out there, all the armies. Uh, and they all, Congo po- all did their pose, like, right directly at Fujita, uh, except Nakajima. Nakajima does not do the Congo pose. He's, every time this is the case, he is, he is to Congo what Bret the Hitman Hart was to NWO Hollywood, because remember, he would never put on the shirt. So that's Nakajima. Nakajima wouldn't do the pose, just like Bret Hart wouldn't put on the shirt. So it's a very one-to-one comparison for me. Uh, we start off fast here with Kano, you know, hitting some middle kicks, Fujita shrugs him off, hits a big lariat, then he tries to take Kano out right away with the punk kick. Kano rolls out of the way, and then we get the stare down. <laughs> did you know? Did you, you, had you ever seen the uh, Fujita Go match? Did you have any idea what was going on here? Um, i never seen the match, but I know yeah. what was going on.
0: I know of the legacy <laughs> of the Go Fujita match.
2: Uh, I don't know what you thought of the stare down. I love the stare down. I mean, I love the original stare down. This one, if anything, I thought it went too short. Because they only did it for about, like, you know, six or seven minutes. Uh, and, you know, the right. fans... So this this is the first time they did it in front of fans, I think. I think they might have done it in, like, a, a Cano Go tag at some point. But I don't know how long that lasted. Here, they, you know, they, this is the first time they did it in, like, a big singles match in front of fans and the fans were, like, clapping up, you know, the, the clapping, like, they were into it. Uh, they kept their clapping all the way through the five-minute mark, but they did finally trail off, because they were like, we can only clap so long, basically. Like, eventually your hands start to hurt from clapping that long. So, uh, that was as long as yes. they could do it. But, uh, what did you think of the stare down?
0: I, I went into it thinking I wasn't gonna like it, and then it got kinda tense. It was like, okay,
2: which one are you gonna break first? <laughs> I liked Dro- it. I, you, know, what, you probably just heard me dropping my phone. My friend had to text me because uh, yeah, I guess Ryan Norton. I, wrote, Orton I think I wrote in my notes Alexa the Bliss is strong. happening right now on Vroom Vroom Fastlane, and he gave me this live report, including a uh, quote: "She blew a kiss at him, and he sold it like he got hit by a Hadouken." Sound <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a hell of a match. Anyway, sounds mm-hmm. one heck of a show. I'm glad I'm not watching. Yes, it. So um. they we get the stare down. They approach each other finally. Kano throws a leg kick. Fujita shrugs it off, uh, takes him down to the mat, and then Fujita controls Kano on the mat, not with terribly interesting stuff, you know, just kind of pedestrian mat work, but he does get him in a sleeper as we get the 10-minute call. And then as soon as Kano makes the ropes, Fujita just fucking batters him with these really hard elbow shots. Yes. Yeah, the elbow shots are awesome. Yes. Uh, and then Kano comes back with some big boots, and then some equally hard middle kicks to the chest. And he really keeps like kicking the shit out of him in the corner. And Fujita just keeps telling him to keeps telling him to, br- to bring it. Uh, and this part really owned. I mean like just the. Like Fujita just be like yes. come on bring it more and more. Even though you can, you can see the physical effects of these kicks on his body. Like his chest is turning black and blue in front of us. And yep. you know he's still like come on just keep bringing it. It was just so great. Straight up, no lie of all the wrestling I watched
0: yesterday. Uh, not yesterday. That's how tired I am. Today, that was yeah, probably my was favorite so cool. spot. Now, I watched people do 450s through tables, but just give me a spot where someone's just hitting someone as hard as they can. The other guy's yeah. like, is that all you got? By the way,
2: more breaking, more breaking news cool. from Room Vroom, Vroom Fastlane. Alexa Bliss pinned Randy Orton. There you go. <laughs>
0: I cannot hear Vroom, Vroom, Fast Fastlane, Fast Vroom, Vroom. Face.
2: <laughs> uh, but yeah.
0: <laughs> I hear rumors like I can't do Um
2: it. <laughs> but yes, so Fujita like slaps Kano in the face, tells him to keep the kicks coming, and then the two of them, you know, they end the two sides, by the way, on the floor end up arguing. Um, you know, Sugaragoon act like lumberjacks and they put Kano back in the ring a little bit later on, just before like, the fifteen minute mark. And then Fujita starts slapping the absolute shit out of Kano's face repeatedly. Just destroying oh God, yes. him. <laughs> and we get this absolutely brutal power bomb from Vegeta. He goes for a soccer ball kick and fucking whiffs on it. So that's unfortunate. Uh, but then he immediately hits one for the pin anyway. Pins him with one knee. Just destroys him with the GHC national title. So fucking up the finish, obviously not ideal. I took off a quarter star for that. But this still fucking owned. I went four stars flat on it. Um, you know, not... I don't really care about the debate. Like, oh, should Vegeta have won and blah, 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 blah. But man... Ironhead Head Vegeta always delivers in the end. Like, this guy, he is so maligned in some circles, and he's a guy that people, you know, really talk a lot of shit about as, like, you know, a dr- he's not a good draw, obviously. I mean, I don't think anyone would ever argue that. But, like, you know, he gets so much shit because he came up during this Nokiism period, and he doesn't like to do jobs. But, like, when it comes right down to it, this guy is in so many awesome matches. This match was awesome. That match he had with Shuei Taniguchi... Uh, in Noah in, like, I think it was, like, fall 2019, that match was, like, you know, four and a half stars, just fucking amazing, uh, you know, if you go back and watch some of his original New Japan run, he has this crazy match for Katsura Shibata that rules, this match for Tanahashi that rules, I mean, he is, he's a pretty incredible wrestler, I mean, he, he, he what he does, and the fact that he's still going all this time, I mean, the go match was awesome, and I know some people didn't, didn't like it because of the 30-minute stare down, I mean, Fujita's awesome, Fujita always delivers for me, and, you know, as long as he keeps having matches like this, he can keep uh, showing up as long as he wants, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Uh,
0: I immediately am not a Fujita person. That doesn't change the fact that this match yeah. fucking ruled. Um, oh. You know, I think, I don't know how I would have done if the stare down went longer, because I never watched the Go match, so that might be an interesting
2: test <laughs> to see. I feel day. like that's the thing you had to be, um, there, but, be watching it live. Like I was
0: like, Yeah, and that might make the difference. I think watching this go watching this have for five or six minutes, and just wanting to see who flinches was pretty awesome, especially yeah. with the crowd clapping. I think the crowd clapping helped me, but what really sold this match for me was A the kicks in the corner. You know, the kicks in the corner and Vegeta's just being like bring it on, bring it yeah. on, and the slaps. Those slaps were brutal. Just those two spots, like the match the whole match is great. Other than yeah. the whiff, of course. But I'm on four stars flat also. Great main event, and had my favorite spot of the whole day with those kicks. Uh, in the afterwards,
2: corner. so Fujita and Sugera, who are of course in the same unit, they have a stare down and they shake hands. And I later learned from Hisami on Twitter, uh, of course you're the person you want to go to for NOAA coverage. It's uh, Hi Five Ame, I believe. Um, that's the official title challenge, so that match will happen, uh, which I'll, we'll get to as we go over their upcoming shows. I believe it's yeah Thursday, April 29th in Nagoya at the Nagoya Congress Center. Uh, but yeah, that'll be a lot of fun, I think. I mean, that's one of these matches where, you know, I certainly think, um, you know, they... The, the two of them seem like they would be a good a good baron, so... It's
0: probably... A, it's definitely a good first challenge, yeah. knowing what I know of hmm.
2: Nagoya. That's Nagoya. Not
0: Um yeah. Nagoya, uh, thank the you. The semi-main
2: event was for the GHC Junior Tag Team titles. Hayata and Yoshinori Ogawa defeating Daisuke Harada... And Junta Miyawaki. Uh, Hayata pinning Miyawaki in 2647. Or actually, no, he's. Did he submit him? Or did he pin him? I don't know. It says modify camel clutch. I think he. Yeah, he did submit him. Okay. Um, <laughs> but yes, this was a. You know, I, I like this match. You know, I went three and a half stars on it. Um, you know, Miyawaki ended up taking the brunt of the punishment for his team. You know, did some pretty good selling. Maybe a little over the top and like screamy for me, but good. And there was like a, you know, his big comeback where he got to like tease. Like, there's this great sequence of strikes from him, and then he like got into a big submission tease with like a cross arm bar. Uh, but Ogawa was finally able to make the save. That was really good. And Hayata eventually then came back and submitted Miyawaki for the win. Um, yeah, this was definitely the match of the night up to this point. You know, the main event overshadowed it. But, uh, you know, three and a half stars, good match. You know, a little long, you know, 27 minutes almost. But I, I definitely, I enjoyed it. For yes. It was. Um, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on this one? Um, I went three and three fourths. I think it might have actually
0: hit four for me if they had shaved off some time. I don't think this needed to be a twenty-seven yeah, it was, minute uh, match. Um, but I liked it, and I really like. I
2: really think Harada and Miyaki was a good team. Um. And afterwards, Nosawa and Hidaka arrived and attacked them with the belts to become the next junior tag title challengers. They did win a match earlier in the night, so I guess that made sense. Uh, Match number six was a 6 tag team match. Nakajima, Kitamiya, and Soya from Congo beating Nishimura, uh, Inamura, and Kenya Okada when Kitamiya pinned Okada in sixteen fourteen with his Saito suplex. Um... I thought that, you know, the highlight here for me was Kitamiya and the ex Congo member, Inamura, you know, colliding like big charging bulls. Definitely the big highlight of mm-hmm. the match. Uh, Inamura ultimately got the better of that exchange. And this was the best thing on the undercard, you know, the best of the nine title matches. Both teams brought it, you know, especially Kitamiya, Inamura, and Okada on, on each team. I mean, those are like the highlights for me. And Kitamiya ends up pinning Okada at the end of a physical match here. You know, a little long, maybe again, you know, 60 minutes for an undercard six man, but I enjoyed this. Three and a quarter stars.
0: I'm right there with you in the star rating, and I'm really into Enamura. Really into him. He's an <laughs> impressive slab of beef. And I just want to keep seeing him do more and get more experience and just keep, you know, keep doing what he's doing because I really uh, like him.
2: Match number five was a tag team match. Takashi Sugera and Kendo Kashin. Beating Naomi Chimera Fuji and Yuko Miyamoto from uh, the EMS Alliance. Sugara pitting Miyamoto in 1135 with the Olympic Slam. Um, you know, I thought this was all right. I mean, it started with some wacky comedy. Kendo Kashin went to use his COVID shield, or went to use the COVID shield from the announce table at ringside, and somehow ended up pressing into Sugera's face for quite a while before noticing he had the wrong man. Uh, typical, I guess, wacky Kendo Kashin comedy. And, you know, Sugara pinned Miyamoto to end a perfectly fine match. Theme of the night, really, for the undercard, And, you know, Marifuji and Sugara got going and they produced some fun exchanges. That was enough for me to go, like, three stars. It was pretty good. Yep,
0: my notes say
2: three stars (laughs) and cash in (laughs) exist. Yeah, he didn't do a whole lot, really. Uh, Match four, the uh, loser unit absorption match. So it was the Dark Agents, Saito, in a way, losing to the uh, Funky Powers or... What the hell is her name again? Funky Express, I think, actually. One of the fans had a sadly misspelled sign that said Funky Express, which <laughs> I laughed a lot about. Uh, but, yes, Mohamed Yoni and Shuei Taniguchi beat Akitoshi Saito and Masao Inoue. Uh, Taniguchi in Inoue with the Funky Press. Uh, but, yeah, this was, uh, I don't know. This was slow because, you know, half the competitors are agent ancient and the, uh, the other two are not exactly spring chickens. But I still enjoyed it. I don't know uh the little the added stakes here made the near falls of the end more exciting they did a lot of little cradles and stuff and tanaguchi ends up pinning in with that flying splash i went three stars on it and i can't wait to see disco funky saito and funky in it's gonna be great <laughs> the power of funk power wins of funk overall <laughs> um
0: the fun, power of funk compels them that's the way they like it um I I get a I get a kick out of the Funky Express I I can't help it, I mean Tanaguchi you know, Tanaguchi actually likes slow. doing
2: this so that adds to a lot to it too I yeah. think
0: yeah. It's, yeah it's slow you know the matches usually aren't like amazing or anything but when they come out I smile so just just keep on being funky boys keep on being funky uh, <laughs> then
2: we have match number three which was uh, Ik- Ikuda Hodaka and Osawa Rangai beating Seki Yoshioka and Yohei. Nosawa pins Seki in only 225 with a uh, La Magistral cradle. So, match is tough to rate because it was all two minutes, but uh, fast-paced while it lasted. I enjoyed it well enough, I guess. And Nosawa ends up catching Yoshioka with that La magistral which I guess continues a losing streak for him after he dropped the junior title to Atsushi Kotoge last week in Fukuoka. Uh, I went two and three quarters. Fun while it lasted, but it was two minutes long. Yeah, I went. I went two and a half, and
0: I do appreciate when matches just sometimes. Yeah, end. right. Like they catch yeah. you off guard because it, it, it because when near falls happen earlier in next in later matches, it yeah. makes you think this could be it. I like so uh, I like that
2: match number two was Susumu beating Hajime Ohara in ten twenty two with a cross face lock. Um, yeah, I mean this was you know another one for the current regime doesn't care about o'hara list it was fine i'd say three stars nothing got to go out of your way to see or anything but enjoyable enough
0: i'm pretty much the same i don't really have much There's more not to, a say lot to say to these undercard i mean you know
2: kind of were what they are yeah the opener is the only match i didn't see i was watching live but I, I started a little bit late and i did not have time to go back and watch it today with the other two shows but uh the result here was hollow neo and tadasuke beating Katoge, uh Kawi Fujimura and Yasutaka Yano. Uh neo pinning Fujimura in twelve twenty eight with a stuka splash. Uh and he will be a, the next junior title challenger for Katoge, which I don't know if I really need to see the the former Hiroki in a junior title singles match, but sure sure whatever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the match was fine. That's what my thoughts were on it. Um I really like Yano. Um which is funny because in another company, I don't like a person
2: named Yano. So it's nice having a Yano I like. <laughs> uh, there you go. So that was the Noah show. I mean, I would say there' nothing wrong with the show. I mean, a lot of the undercard matches were fine. The uh, Sorry main event was good. Yep. Main event was awesome. So it was definitely the strongest of three shows, I would say.
0: I I, I yeah. had a good time watching this show. Yeah. I'm glad I fit it in. So that
2: brings us. Let's see what's coming up for Noah. Uh, there's a couple shows uh, that we will definitely. I think I should definitely, but I think I have them on the schedule. Yes, we'll definitely cover on Omakase next month. Uh, first of all, the April 18th Korokin. So that will be Sunday, April 18th. Uh, that show has the junior title match I just mentioned Katoge against Neo. Has a tag team main event with Keiji Muto and Marifuji against Kano and Masa Ketimiya, Of course, building up the Muto Kitamiya single title match. Uh, we have another build up match Fujita and Kendo Kashin against Sugera and Sakuraba. And then, you know, a bunch of undercard tags after that. But uh, the, you know, Ogawa, Hayata, Susumu against Kutar Suzuki, Ikuta Hodaka, and Nosawa Rangai uh, to build up, you know, the junior tag title match. And there you go, other than some undercard tags. Uh, the, looks like a good little card. That's Neo, Neo Breeze 2021. Um, and then the the big show for the month, though, is april 29th at the nagoya congress center and they kind of load up this show i mean they don't normal they don't often often do uh you know heavyweight and national title matches on the same show you know they like to spread those out a bit uh, like suddenly hiccuping i'm sorry uh heavyweight and junior and no national title matches on the same show um but this one i guess they want to draw a crowd here in nagoya so the main event keiji muto versus masa Ketimiya for the heavyweight title you also got the Kazuki Fujita versus Sugera national title match, and then on top of that, a junior tag title match: Ogawa and Hayata against Hidaka and Nozawa Rangai. So that should be interesting. Uh, so I'm definitely, I'm definitely most interested in that Fujita, uh, Sugera match, as I mentioned earlier. But yes, we will definitely cover that on Omakase next month. So look forward to that. Okay, so let's get into all Japan now. Um, so their show. Was also from today, March twenty first, in Kyoto, the Kyoto KBS Hall. Interesting, just to see a big All Japan show. Not that this was like a gigantic show or anything, but it had a couple title matches. Uh, you know, away from Tokyo, they don't often run, you know, big shows outside of Tokyo or Osaka. Even like, you know, it's they run sometimes run shows at Osaka 80 on usually number two. But uh, this was, you know, th- their first show I can remember in a while that aired on All Japan uh, TV from the KBS Hall. Which that 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 glass here looks cool, huh? The, like church glass? I loved it. That you know, I've been I, in the building. I loved it. I went there for a Det show in uh, twenty nineteen. It, it looks pretty damn cool in person too. So
0: I, I can imagine. It just I I have in my notes. Just in my notes it says this it's only looks on the one side gorgeous. though.
2: Which, <laughs> it looks a little weird on when you're there, but uh, but yeah, it's, it's like very, pretty gotcha. much just on the hard cam side. But yeah, um, still very cool. Yeah, but for, for watching sure. it at home, it worked. So the main event here was Suwama defeating Yoshitatsu in twenty seven fourteen with a backdrop hold to retain the Triple Crown title for the seventh time. Uh, 387 fans here, by the way. Um, you know, this... Yoshitatsu was in dark side Yoshitatsu mode. He had the half face paint. Um, yeah, this match was so slow. I mean, neither guy was doing much of anything interesting. You know, early on, like Yoshitatsu took a powder. Um, you know, he did this little hot shot on Suwama over the top rope and then hit a pretty terrible uh, slingshot elbow from the apron back in the ring where it looked like his elbow never made any actual contact with Suwama's chest. You were so bad. <laughs> like he elbowed the air. Um, The match was just so slow and boring. Uh, You know, by the time Suwama finally hits a nice lariat... It feels like we have been waiting for eons just for a half-decent spot. But it did kind of pick up. Like, Yoshitatsu got some kind of, like, single leg hold, which I guess was supposed to be his big dramatic. Maybe he'll actually win the title spot. And Suwama is a very underrated seller. Like, he's very good at selling. And, you know, he did a really great job selling this leg hold, even though nobody on Earth thought he was losing the title here. Um, At one point, he makes the ropes. Yoshi just pulls him back to the middle without Wada making him break the hold. Uh, that's pretty dumb, I complain about that a lot, it's just, you know, if, if he has a rope break, I gotta give him the rope break. Um, Yoshi then hits this big swinging DET off the, out of the corner, and suddenly the ref is teaching some kind of stoppage, uh, just around the 20-minute call, and, you know, like, Yoshi kinda, like, goes to pick him up, he collapses, so Wada starts counting a 10-count knockdown, and then Yoshitatsu, for some reason, picks him up himself at 6, instead of letting Wada complete his count, and maybe award him the Triple Crown title, uh, and then, t- so what does he do to, like, ruin the 10-count? He hits some very weak elbows. It's like, okay, you should have probably just let the guy get the 10-count. All you're going to do is hit some weak elbows. Uh, and Suwama tries to fight back. Yoshitatsu hits him with a flatliner, locks in a Koji clutch. Good transition to the Koji clutch. Uh, the referee teases stopping it. Yoshi lets go of the hold like an idiot. You know, that was twice, basically. He's done something dumb where it looks like he's had it won. Uh, and goes for the pin but Suwama kicks out at two. Uh, and Yoshi tries for a backdrop, but Suwama counters his own, his own backdrop suplex. We get a double uh, knockdown tease before Suwama gets up and hits a deadlift German, covers for a two count, and then he ends up hitting a series of like brutal-looking backdrop suplexes. Yoshitatsu still kicks out too. two. Uh, Suwama follows up with a lariat. Yoshitatsu like, absorbs it. Suwama hits a second one that knocks him down for another two count, and then finally hits a backdrop hold, and that's the pin. So way too long, really boring for a long time. They did pull it out of the fire to some degree with a pretty damn good closing stretch. The only thing I didn't like about the closing stretch, it's like first they're going after the leg and we get this tap-out tease and then suddenly they're going after the neck and we get this knockout tease and it's like, wouldn't it have been more effective if you picked one and gone with that for the entire closing stretch? It just seems weird they switched back and forth. Um, so I, So the closing stretch wasn't even perfect to me. I'll go two and three quarters... That might be generous. Uh, it's way too long to recommend it. Maybe if you want to fast forward to the twenty-minute mark and watch the last watch the last like seventeen minutes. <laughs> I can kind of recommend that, but yeah, just you know, not very good. It was very skippable, uh, just like the rest of the show, pretty much.
0: Yes, I think it's very telling that I've avoided yawning on this podcast, <laughs> and right when we started talking about this match, yeah. the yawns came. Um, I gave it two oh, yeah. and one fourth, and even that feels a little generous. I'm really giving it for the closing, because I thought the closing was really good. Um, but yeah, it's 2021, and it's a Yoshi Tatsu title challenge.
2: Um, <laughs> I feel like this was this was um, <laughs> you're gonna get exactly. What I feel like those this was the bone they tossed promised. him because they left him at a Champion Carnival this year, which thank God they did.
0: Yeah. Maybe I I mean good on him for getting it, but um
2: two and one fourth. Congratulations yeah. on those two stars, buddy. Uh, <laughs> then we have the semi final, which was the world junior title match. Shima beats Izanagi only eleven forty three, uh, with the Spartan cut. His new finisher, the his variation of the final cut to make his first defense. Um I don't know, this was our this is pretty good, I guess. He had a meteor on the back for a near fall. Uh, and then followed up with that new move of his, which the final cut itself didn't look that great. It's like his elbow to the back of the neck to push down for the Spartan cut. But, like, it it just looked like the actual pressing down was awkward, and it just didn't look well timed at all. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, this was just pretty good. Never got to any kind of great level for me. I went three and a quarter. You know, nothing I I got
0: to... I went a flat three. I thought it was good for what it was. There was one moment where, like, Zonga's on know Zonga, he's on the top rope, and Shima open hand slaps him, and just i yeah, him was tumbling his, to the outside. His Venus. I really like that <laughs> his spot. Venus slap. Yeah. I really like that yeah, the Venus slap. I really like that spot. Um, and I really like the meteor to the back of the head. You know, you know, those are the two things that stand out. Just nothing really much more to be said. Just three uh, stars. Match number
2: right. four was a eight man tag. The new Total Eclipse stable: Jake Lee, Tajiri and Akota ok- Omori and Kuma Arashi. Beating Kento Miyahara, Yuma Ayagi, uh, Atsuki Ayagi, and Rising Hayato. Jake Lee pins Hayato in 1652 with the D4C, which is his big delayed brain buster. Uh, Total Eclipse, you know, I talked about last week. Great theme song. They have great badass heel energy. Uh, they somehow, like, all black for heel unit is, v- like, the most played out thing in the world, but they somehow make it work. Like, they're black and silver, like, heel unit. Looks kind of fresh. Maybe their logo just looks really good, too, which helps. So very just well-thought-out, well-designed unit, I have to say. Um, yeah, this went a little longer than I was expecting, but mostly fun. I went three stars. You know, totally fine match. Three stars, and I'm like... and
0: I don't know much about All Japan. I'm not going to pretend to, but right off the yeah. back I really like the unit. Just, they look good, they feel like they click, and they just have this attitude that you know, just, just comes from him. I think, I think
2: it's a good unit and it really uh, helps. Afterwards, in this match. Afterwards, Lee points at the sky in front of Kendo, which is a big pose now. And then he lowers his head and smiles at him. That was kind of neat. And I'm definitely looking forward to their match in the champion carnival. Uh, match three, the uh, highlight of the undercard for May: Zeus and Kazuyaki Mihara beating Koji Irimoto and Ryuki Honda. Zeus pinning or submitting Honda in 940 with his face lock. Now I have no idea who Kazuyaki Mihara is. Um, He's apparently like some old associate from Osaka Pro, I guess. But sometimes I just want to see a kind of fat guy in a tank top going hard in elbow <laughs> exchanges like he did here at Ryoki Honda. So I like him. Just very indie, Japanese indie sleeves here, but in a very charming way. And, you know, Zeus ends up tapping out Honda with his deadly chin lock. Uh, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Surprise the undercard. This Mihara guy was fun. Mihara, not Mihara. This Mihara guy was fun. I went three and a quarter. This is pretty good. Another straight three for me, but you know, three's not necessarily bad
0: for undercard. It just means it was there and I had fun, but I moved on after that. But I can totally understand why you got <laughs> yeah. the jollies out of uh, match
2: number two: <laughs> Shotaro Ashino, Hikaru Sato, and Dan Tamura. Uh, Ashino continues continue to team up the Evolution Boys. That's interesting, since the end of Enfants. Uh, so they beat Ishikawa, Omori, and Black Minso Ray. Sato, you know, submits Mensa Rey in 11.06. Um, I didn't mention this, but he came out to challenge Shima for the junior title after their match. Um, which, will, that'll be an interesting star mm-hmm. clash. So that'll be uh, cool to see. But yeah, that that makes sense for why he's uh, he got the fall here. No challenger for because champion carnival is next, of course. Uh, but yeah, this was a fun little six-man tag. I went three stars on it. Not a ton to say about it, really, but, you know, enjoyed it. I would say three stars again.
0: You know, yeah. I feel like a broken record <laughs> at this point. And what I wrote is, I wrote down I took
2: <laughs> zero notes on this
0: match. Which is lame, because yeah, that's technically there's not, a there's not much to say about it.
2: it uh, the opener was yeah. Francesco Akira losing to Yusuke Kodama in 8-14 with a Lamagistral cradle. Uh, funny that both, you Noah know, and All Japan the same day had a Lamagistral finish. Uh, but yes, Kodama wins a fun little opener, three stars again. Just not much to say about these undercard All Japan matches, but this was fine.
0: Three stars, fun opener, the type of opener that you know makes me hope the rest of the show is going to be good. the show was fine. That's what I would say. It wasn't like a bad. Yeah, the show ended up being fine. Like I don't, I don't regr- I don't regret watching it. I do regret watching it immediately yeah. after New Japan Cup.
2: I should have taken yeah, a breather definitely and come I back to Noah <laughs> was the highlight <laughs> so of the three go. shows, I think.
0: Yeah. Noah was the highlight of the three shows. All right,
2: folks. So let's quickly go over the upcoming All Japan stuff. So there is a show that's going to air on VOD on alljapan.tv uh, next Sunday, the 28th, from Saitama. I don't really think there's anything worth seeing on this show, honestly. It looks like just a show. Uh, it's the wrap-up of the Dream Power series, but uh, it's like a next stream special, so they're all going to... there there are some singles matches on it I guess that are interesting Um, Ryuki Honda's trial series uh, he faces Totoro Ashino here Uh, Yusuke Kodama faces Francisco Akira another singles match Uh, Yoshitatsu faces someone by the name of Noburu Uchida I don't even know who that is Mm -hmm. Um, there's a tag team match with Shuji Ishikawa and Koji Iwamoto against Omori and Black Munso Ray a six man with Jake Lee Tajiri and Hokuto Omori versus Suwama Hikaru Sato and Don Tamura, and then the main event will be a tag team match it's kind of a special match so the next stream special the four members of next stream Kento Miyahara Yuma Aoyagi Atsuke Aoyagi and Rising Hayato will be chosen in like split into two tag teams that night by a lottery will it be a shoot lottery or work lottery I don't know who knows but supposedly we'll get a lottery here and we'll choose two teams so we'll see if, like, do will, Kento and Yuma are obviously tag champions. Will they end up on opposite sides? I will say right now, if the teams end up being Yuma and his brother against Kento and Hayato, I'm calling shenanigans on the, the shoot lottery. I think it would. I think that was predetermined then. But if it's, like, <laughs> Kento and Atsuki against Yuma and Hayato, I'll, I'll buy that it, it would maybe be a real lottery. So uh, there you go. That's your next All Japan show. Again, that'll be on VOD on alljapan.tv. Nothing I'm really going to go out of my way to see or anything. And then after that, the Champion Carnival kicks off on Friday, April 9th. So we got a ways to go here, uh, about, you know, almost three, not quite three weeks, like, you know, a little under three weeks, but that kicks off at the Ideon Arena, second arena, and it's a pretty interesting schedule. It's uh, They're basically trying to run as many weekends as possible, where they're running the 9th, 10th, 11th, uh, so Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, and it goes, like, Osaka, Nagoya, Niigata, then they take a whole bunch of days off. Then they go to Tokyo, um, the 17th at Shinkiba. Uh, so Saturday, the 17th, and then Sunday, the 18th in Chiba uh, at the 2AW Square. Then they take another five days off. Then Saturday, the 24th uh, at the Shinkiba again. Sunday, the 25th at Korokin. Then another couple of days off where we finally get some midweek action. Uh, Wednesday, the 28th at, in Yokohama and Thursday, the 29th in Korokin again. And that is the finals. So the Corican shows the last one. And again, it's a one-block tournament. Ten, 10 wrestlers, uh, you know, they're all going to face each other. So that's why it's nine shows. And that's pretty much all there is. And there's there's no final. So it's like the old-school Champion Carnivals where, like, you know, just whoever has the most points at the end wins. So presumably there will have to be a tiebreaker match if uh, two wrestlers tie because that's how Champion Carnival always does things. They don't do the, the tiebreaker based on wins or whatever. So, We'll have to wait and see. But that'll be. Uh, so, the wrestlers in it, by the way, if you, if uh, just if you, the listener, have forgotten, it's Suwama, Kohei Sato, Zeus, Kento Miyahara, Yuma Aoyagi, Shinjiro Otani, Shuji Ishikawa, Koji Doi, Jake Lee, and Shatar Ashino. Uh, some pretty cool, pretty cool lineup there, especially again with them all facing each other. Uh, some cool matches I'm looking forward to. And they, they start right off the bat with the Jake Lee Ashino showdown, you know, the after you know lee orchestrated the total eclipse turn so that happens right away on night one uh in in in, in uh, the indian arena osaga so that should be interesting also the zeus kento match on night one uh ishikawa takes on koji doi yuma against otani and Suam against kohei sato so that's your first night of action and again we will cover all those shows uh, other than, except for one that will be covered on the free show but the rest of it will be covered exclusively on the omakase patreon Uh, So definitely check that out next month if you want to hear daily coverage of the All Japan Champion Carnival, patreon.com slash wrestling omakase. All right, uh, Jerry, can wrap things up here. Anything you want to plug? Yeah. Yes, I'm going
0: to plug the podcast. I'm on on weplayrpgspodcast.com where we do our campaign and we do a couple of superhero games as well. You can find me on Twitter at Jarius underscore Jer with my lukewarm takes. Um, they're very lukewarm, I'm going to warn you. And, of course, you can find me writing on VoicesOfWrestling.com under Jerry Evans. My most recent article is me being an unapologetic fangirl yeah. of Maki Ito. So, uh, and there folks, you go. Of course,
2: <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter at WrestleOmakase, Wrestling When i Uh, and that'll do it. I just plugged the Patreon, so I'm not going to do that again, but uh, that'll pretty much wrap us up here. Again, no episode on the free feed next week. It'll be our week off like we've been doing now, just because I do a lot of audio now, Uh, but we'll be back in two weeks on the free feed. On Sunday, April 4th, I'll be reviewing the Sakura Genesis show from New Japan and the DDT March 28th Corican. Uh, which has the Shuji, uh, the uh, Judo versus Kasata Higuchi KOD title match main event. I'll be reviewing both of those shows with Neil David from Voice of Wrestling, a first time guest. So that'll be exciting. So again, no free show next week, but you can hear the WrestleMania Retro Roulette on the Patreon uh, with myself and Quentin next Sunday or Saturday. I don't know, whichever day we end up doing it. Uh, in the meantime, thank you, as always, for listening, and I will see you next time.